Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. My name is Spencer Tuma, and I'm your Director of National Legislative Programs. Unfortunately, Eric Bowl is sick this week, so you've got me again as the host. We're going to sit down with B.J. Tanksley and talk about really a lot of the details of what happened in this year's Missouri State Legislative Session. So stay tuned. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Affairs, and B.J., we just wrapped up a really long and very productive state legislative session, so I'm looking forward to getting into all of the details of what's been going on in Jefferson City the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's great to have a session a little bit in the rearview mirror, uh, have a couple of days of back to the normal world, uh, but before we dive into session, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the federal government. I know there's been some big news on your side of things. Well, it was a big week for you in the state capitol, and it was a big week in the federal capitol as well. Unfortunately, the farm bill did fail on the House floor last week. That happened on Friday morning. Um, We had really been working on the farm bill, of course, for several weeks. It had been er introduced in April, had gone through the committee process, um, and we, we had gone through 51 amendments in order. Unfortunately, when the bill came to the floor, we were 15 votes short of what we needed to pass the final bill. So uh, at this point, we are hoping that the farm bill will be brought up again. But right now we are at a little bit of a standstill at that point. Yeah. So with uh, so much work, like you were saying, I mean, there's a lot of work behind the scenes before it comes to the floor and working through that amount of amendments. Uh, What do you think happens next? I've seen several different stories about it could have come this week. Uh, What's it looking like? I know um, everybody would like to see a bipartisan farm bill get done. So what what do the prospects look like and what's the timeline at this point? So right after the bill failed, before they adjourned the House, Speaker Paul Ryan actually made a motion to reconsider, which basically means that he made a motion to allow the farm bill to be voted on again. Now that started a clock of a certain amount of legislative days that the or the House of Representatives has to reconsider that bill. That would have set up, had they stuck to that timeline, that would have set up another vote on the farm bill sometime this week in the House. Uh, There is legislation moving in other uh, aspects, not in agricultural policy. So what they've done is they have attached a provision to those other bills that allows the motion to reconsider to stay valid until June 22nd. And that's very in the policy weeds. So basically, we have until June 22nd to bring the farm bill up again in the House. Uh, For a guy who works in Missouri state politics, that's all foreign to me. So uh, interesting world that 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 you work in there. So hopefully, it sounds like June 22nd, hopefully uh, between now and then, we're able to get some things worked out uh, and see a bill move forward that's good for all of agriculture and for the and for the nation as a whole, because I know that's a major thing that our farmers want to look towards is the surety that a farm bill would provide. We certainly hope so. And, you know, the big question right now is what happens with the Senate. I mean, the Senate was kind of waiting on the House to get their version of the bill done before they release their bill text and start their committee process. So, you know, there's a lot of speculation right now, and I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, will the Senate go ahead and introduce what they have? Will they go ahead and try to move through the process kind of in line with what the House is doing, or will they still continue to wait until, you know, June 22nd when we maybe have some more clarity on what the House is going to be doing, if that process is going to be finished? Um, So a lot of unanswered questions at this point, but, um, as always, the situation is changing rapidly, so no we're doubt. just sounds we're like keeping it. an eye on it. But tell me about some of the things, you know, overall, it, it sounds like we had a very productive session in the state capitol, but talk about maybe some of the agriculture provisions that were really prominent this year that you felt like were big wins, and, and maybe what were some things that you would have liked to see and gone through as well? 
Yeah, you know, overall, we had a we had a great legislative session. Um, with any year, there's things you wish you could have gotten to or wish there had been more time to have gotten through. But we had a great year. Um, you know, we came in talking about a lot of topics that were important to all of Missouri. Um, but when you drill down into the agriculture issues that we were working on, we were able to get several, um, several priority-level things accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, the first would be inside of Senate Bill 782. Um, Senate Bill 782, we talked about here before, was a uh, Department of Natural Resources bill. Mm-hmm. And that um, made changes to the Missouri Clean Water Law. Okay. It said that the Missouri Clean Water Law, that agriculture, stormwater runoff, and irrigation and return flows were not subject to the permitting requirements of the Clean Water Law unless they were causing the water of the state to become harmful. And so it doesn't say that we're, you know, don't have to be watched or DNR doesn't pay attention mm-hmm. to agriculture. It still protects the waters of the state, but it brings Missouri's Clean Water Law in line with federal law, which says that agriculture is exempt and um, makes clarity to the Clean Water Law. There were some interpretations that would say that DNR needed to be making those be permitted. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that agriculture doesn't know when it's going to rain. The weatherman sure. doesn't know and the farmer doesn't know how bad the next rain may be. Um, and we can't always make every application decision based on the forecast. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes those things just happen. Unfortunately, sometimes there is runoff. We don't want to see it. It cost us money, too, on the agriculture side of things. Um, but uh, this added a level of surety for agriculture and for DNR to know um, what they should be regulating and what they shouldn't. And, mm-hmm. and I think in the end, we came to a bill that was, was good for everyone. Uh, to be completely honest, we worked closely with DNR, the agriculture community did, to find a bill that they thought they could work with while uh-huh. still achieving the goals of the initial bill. Um, so those those communities, you know, we worked hard with uh, the Missouri Corn Growers, the Soybean Association, the Cattlemen's Association, who really brought this issue as their top priority. Um, but we worked hard with them and DNR to find a bill that worked for everyone. So I think we came to a really good place um, where we were able to get a bill moved. Um, also, of importance to Missouri Farm Bureau inside of that bill um, was saying that the uh, division of state parks should be um, um, should have uh, the fencing along any proposed Rock Island Trail. You know, there's been the proposal to change the old Rock Island Railroad Trail mm-hmm. into a recreational trail, and this says that the state parks should be, um, it should be on on their cost um, to a, a allow for fencing along that trail if the trail should move forward. Now, it doesn't say the trail will happen. We all know that um, there's been some, some talk back and forth on both sides of that, and Missouri Farm Bureau has come out opposed to that trail. Uh-huh. But this says that if a trail does go forward, if you have um, agriculture along it and need fencing, that DNR should be the one that has to pay for that. Because you didn't ask to have a recreational trail put at the end of your, or through your property. Um, to you, it was a it was a railroad crossing. And, um, so and this would be a different use entirely. So, so that would be available to all landowners along the trail or only those with agricultural interests? Yes, it would be all landowners. Okay. And it says it's up to DNR and the landowner to work it out, uh-huh. where they could either just provide the materials and the landowner put the fence to his liking, mm-hmm. or actually do the work to put the fence in as well so um, supposed to be a you know to work with the landowners there to find the fence that they need for whatever type of use they have of their property um, but helps to make clear boundaries should we see um, a recreational trail move forward so um, that was one of the things we were able to get done Um, also on the agriculture front uh, Senate Bill 627 which came down to the last couple days of session it was an ag omnibus bill that passed the Senate earlier in session probably late April Um, but we were able to get several 
several priorities passed in um, Senate Bill 627. It included um, taxation of yields on forest land, um, regulation of agricultural inputs, allowing for the processing of captive cervids, um, and then the headline maker, which was the labeling of fake meat products or yes. products that do not come um, from an animal carcass or a poultry carcass. Um, so um, really a lot of priorities inside of that bill that we were happy to see get across the finish line in the last few days. So. Yeah. so the fake meat bill, I want to dive into that just a little bit because, of course, that's gotten quite a bit of media attention. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Missouri is really the first state to address this issue. Am I correct? Yeah, so uh, nothing like Missouri to be the first in something, <laughs> so we're happy to see that get done, um, obviously. But yeah, we have seen a lot of headlines from this. My understanding is we're the first state to pass legislation to this effect. I have heard that the federal government and um, the the federal government is interested in looking into the labeling uh-huh. of meat products, um, but Missouri's kind of taken the lead on this and said, you know, if it doesn't come from um, harvested animal or, or, or poultry carcass, mm-hmm. um, that you need to, you can't be misleading about that labeling. Sure. It doesn't say that you have to, you know, call it laboratory meat or it doesn't make any specifics, but it just says you can't be misleading about what that product is. Now, the interpretation of what is or is not misleading will probably be decided by the courts, but that's uh-huh. how a lot of laws are. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is still room for work um, for people to make right choices, but mm-hmm. I do think um, it's going to protect our consumers when they're in the grocery store or wherever they purchase to say they know what they're buying, that there right. is no misleading. I do think there's room for, for, for companies to be accurate in their labeling and not try to um, profit off of the marketing that we have seen for our agriculture products for years. Yes. So it does protect agriculture in that way, that we all know what we expect when we buy a pound of burger. Mm-hmm. We all know what we expect bacon to be and that we shouldn't see uh, new products coming and trying to profit off of that while protecting those markets, but also protecting the consumer, that they know what they're purchasing and that they're not being taken advantage of by misleading advertising. So I do think the bill is a consumer protection moving mm-hmm. forward, um, and I do think it's something we should be proud of as a state um, as being one of the first ones to go in that direction. Well, Missouri really has been on the forefront of that issue, and I know this is a big concern. It wasn't addressed in this bill, but it's a big concern in the dairy industry as well. I mean, Farm Bureau at the federal level is supportive of the Dairy Pride Act, which basically seeks to address the same problem with dairy products. So things like plant-based thing, plant-based substances right. that are being called milk, um, addressing issues with the marketing of those products as well. So right. um, I don't think it's an issue that's going away anytime soon, but I want to move also, there was a big announcement last week that Governor Greitens had um, found the funds available to pay off the biodiesel incentive funds. So how does that relate to some of our work in the Capitol and also the state budget as well? Because I know that all the, all tie together. Yeah, that's right. Um, when Missouri Farm Bureau went into the budget season, uh, we, were, um, we asked uh, appropriators to protect our uh, institutions of higher education the Department mm-hmm. of Agriculture, as well as the, and to pay off the biodiesel incentive fund. Years ago, the state of Missouri said that they were going to help farmers and investors who had bought into these biodiesel plants with their investment um, and that they were going to help pay those off. Um, for years, that's been a, a liability hanging over the state. Um, there's been years where it's been in the budget to pay it off and then been withheld by the governor over the years. Um, and so we've seen that as kind of a political football over the years mm-hmm. where it's been paid off and then not, and then the 
the promise is not kept. This year, legislators mm-hmm. appropriated to pay off that biodiesel incentive fund. And how much money is that? You know, approximately $4 million total. Okay. Um, and so that, that's been kind of hanging out there. Um, it's, a, it's a significant amount of money, you mm-hmm. know, when you're talking about a budget. Um, but then when we looked, um, the governor was able actually to find money in the current budget year um, to pay that off. Okay. So inside of the 2018 budget, he was able to pay that off, which will then make the money that was appropriated into the 2019 budget available um, to be paid for other state needs. Mm-hmm. And so we were happy to be able to see that get done. Um, there were surplus monies in the current budget, able to get that uh, get that actually paid off and get that liability put behind us. So our soy producers, the Soybean Association, and agriculture across the state was happy to see that get done. And um, we appreciate the governor getting that done while they were able to. Um, and in the budget, as far as, as Farm Bureau is concerned, we were really thrilled with the appropriation. Um, in addition to fully funding the Education Foundation formula, which mm-hmm. is a priority of Farm Bureau, um, they were able to secure some of the proposed cuts to higher education. We were happy to see that get done and um, able to see uh, protect Missouri Department of Agriculture from some proposed cuts that we had seen early in the process. So overall, we passed an ag-friendly budget. Obviously, you always wish that there was more money to be appropriated and sure. other priorities to be able to get done. Done. But overall, we were we were happy to see the budget that was passed um, and think that it was an overall ag-friendly budget. So we appreciate that as a whole. Well, good. And I think, you know, some of these items that are contained within the budget, you have to look at as short-term and also long-term funding priorities. Um, you know, you mentioned the biodiesel incentive fund, and I know that's been a priority for many of the ag organizations to get that paid off for a very long time. But um, there were some you know, issues related to the funding of the Missouri Department of Agriculture's pesticide program. So what were some of the developments with that? We've talked about that on previous episodes. Can you give us an update on where that ended up? Yeah, so in the final day of session, um, we were able to pass um, a task force that will look into funding um, Missouri Department of Agriculture's pesticide um, program. Mm -hmm. Um, When we look at the program, if you look long term, um, over the next few years, we see that the funds that are coming in probably won't meet their needs. Um, When the current funding stream was set up, we knew it was an 8 to 10 year funding stream that would probably run out eventually as far as just the modeling. Um, And when you look now, we're 8 to 10 years, we're getting into that level. Um, And so we're going to have to look deeper into that. Um, In session, there were bills filed in both the House and the Senate to increase um, the registration fees for some of the products on the market um, to try to make up for that shortfall. Um, And then when we looked at those and the overall funding of the department, we decided that it would probably be better to do a deeper dive that maybe just you know, picking one fee and increasing that to cover the cost might not be the best way to go. So we're going to do over the summer, um, legislators are going to form a a task force and have several hearings over the summer, Mm -hmm. do a little bit deeper dive into what some of the issues are, look at the whole fee structure of the entire um, division as a whole, and see if there's not a better way to address their needs and sure up the funding going forward. Um, I think it's a it's a great um, chance for leadership and, and to take a look at the department and um, set them on solid footing for years to come. Mm-hmm. Missouri Farm Bureau testified in favor of the task force all the way through um, because we know making sure that the department is funded at a level that allows them to do what they need to do, which is good for all of agriculture and the state as a whole, 
um, is of utmost importance for everyone. So Absolutely. We were happy to see that. It's crazy to think that we're already thinking about things that will be addressed, like such as that in next year's legislative right. session, but you know, that is the reality in which we live. I know when we went into this session, you know, you always said that the top three priorities for Farm Bureau were property rights, broadband, and transportation. Now, we talked a little bit about property rights already when we talked about the fencing along the proposed Rock Island Trail, but I want to move to broadband a little bit because we had some very interesting developments in the last few days of session that not only addressed broadband, but also kind of went into property rights as well. So could you elaborate a little bit on what we what we got done there? Yeah, broadband was a priority or broadband access was a priority of Farm Bureau going into session. And and I have to say it was a success on all fronts. Um, We came in asking the legislature to address two issues when we look at broadband. Um, The first being um, co-op easements Mm -hmm. and and their use of existing infrastructure to facilitate broadband, and the other being the broadband development development fund. Um, When you looked at co-ops, a lot of our electrical cooperatives were actually running fiber Mm -hmm. in their existing infrastructure in order to run a smart grid. A lot of our, our co-ops no longer send someone to each individual meter to read that meter. Right. Um, nowadays, it's done by fiber, and mm-hmm. that's actually the exact same fiber which could facilitate broadband to that home. Um, and so a lot of our co-ops were actually doing that for their own needs because it cut their cost long term. Sure. Not having to have a person go there, having that fiber ran to the home was actually more cost efficient. Well, unfortunately, some of their ex- their existing easement language said that could only be used for electrical. And so um, when some of our co-ops started to facilitate broadband over that fiber, we started to see some lawsuits over whether or not mm-hmm. that should or shouldn't be done. Now. Um, some of those were not a major issue, but we did see some major judgments formed against some a couple of the co-ops. And those judgments scared other co-ops from saying, we would like to get into the broadband game. Sure. Missouri Farm Bureau members brought a policy through the policy development process a few years ago that said, we believe that our co-op should be allowed to facilitate broadband mm-hmm. without additional cost to them um, over their existing infrastructure. The electrical co-ops worked closely with Farm Bureau to find a bill that fit their needs and fell in line with our Farm Bureau policy, and we were able to get that through the legislature. Now, it does say that a landowner that's not happy about it, that they can still go to court Mm -hmm. if there was damage to the property or change in use of the property. They can still seek remedies, but it will keep some of those major large judgments that have prevented from some of the co-ops from wanting to get into the broadband game. The truth is that our co-ops will be one of the options that will bring broadband to rural Missouri if we ever see all of Missouri connected. It's just their model fits what we need. They are reaching some of the most remote areas where our um, investor-owned don't want to go there. Our co-ops are typically serving there already. So it does make sense. Um, What I've always said about this bill is it may not bring broadband tomorrow to very many people, but it's going to get out of the way of what could have kept it from getting to a lot of folks. So I do think that brings great opportunity. And then the other thing we had was in the last days of session, we did pass the Broadband Development Fund. So we were happy to see that get done. Um, That was a bill that I worked closely with the provider community as well as consumers um, to find a bill 
that would bring new broadband to unserved areas of the state. Um, and so we'll, we'll be looking towards legislators to try to get funding for that next year uh-huh. um, and try to see if we can't um, help connect more of rural Missouri. You know, when we look at the nation as a whole, Missouri lags behind in connectivity. Um, and hopefully, as we continue to tackle these issues one by one, um, we'll see more and more people get connected. Well, it seems like it was a great opportunity this session to really break down barriers that were in place for people to provide broadband to those rural communities. Like you said, the co-op easement bill, it doesn't you know, say that every electric cooperative in the state is going to start providing broadband tomorrow. But I think it certainly, you know, gives them the option if they wanted to move into that arena. I know we have several electric cooperatives who have already begun facilitating broadband and some, quite frankly, who I think are just waiting, we're waiting for this legislative change and they'd like to move forward. So mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. That's exactly right. You know, we took advantage of the fact that, as you know, Broadband has been a nationwide topic. Mm-hmm. The federal government's looking at it every day. There you see a new program possibly or, you, or new funding uh, mm-hmm. stream uh, talked about at the federal level. And so we were actually able to tap into that conversation, which Missouri Farm Bureau has been a part of through the task force or the, uh, the group, the work group that we formed back last year, um, the federal conversation happening. Um, broadband was just a hot topic this year, and we were able to uh, take advantage of that. And we are thankful for legislators and their leadership in working through some of those issues. Absolutely. Well, I know at, at times, you know, there were a lot of conversations that had to go on, but at the end of the day, we were glad to see it get done and, and get done with some provisions that we think will really help Missouri. The last thing I want to touch on um, and the last priority that came about in the last hours of session is transportation funding. Now, I know Missouri Farm Bureau has been a long supporter of increased funding for transportation. We know it's been an issue for our members for several years. What happened with transportation? Yeah, so uh, transportation, like you said, we've been a part of this conversation for a while. Um, when we first brought our group of Capital Connection members into the Capitol, we talked about transportation and all the way to the last visit. Um, to be completely honest, we didn't know where the transportation conversation was going to go. We had heard that it was going to come up late in session, um, but then even late in session, it didn't seem to have much momentum. In the last two weeks of session, Senator Schott's um, office and Senator Schott's himself floated the idea of trying to amend on a possible transportation fix late in the year and see if we couldn't get momentum. And the truth was his leadership, as well as the Senate leadership, making it a priority late in the session um, are really what got it done. And so what we ended up doing was we saw um, amendment language offered on, a, on another tax bill that would um, allow a vote of the people. Now, this will go to a vote of the people on the November ballot. Um, that would increase the gas tax by 10 cents. Now, that's phased in over four years, so you won't see the sticker shock. It's only 2.5 cents per time for four years, so that will be phased in. And it also um, taxes alternative fuel vehicles at a similar rate. And so it leaves it up to the Department of Revenue to find what that rate is. You know, you do the equation of miles per gallon or equivalent fuel Mm -hmm. and then tax those at an equivalent rate. Um, to go towards funding um, our roads and bridges and our highway patrol. Now, this says that the increase will go to the highway patrol. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so what you do, once you see that fully phased in, um, that will raise the highway patrol's budget from what's currently sitting there around 240, 250 million to approximately 288 million. So they will see a good size increase Mm -hmm. in their funding. And then the local municipalities and counties will still get their constitutional um, 30%. So the, okay. they will get approximately $130 million in additional funds for local roads and bridges once 
since this is fully phased in as well. And so MoDOT will see that $240 million freed up out of their budget right. now. So you'll see a nice, healthy increase for roads and bridges to the Department of Transportation. You see a good increase for the Highway Patrol, as well as our local muni and municipals um, seeing an increase in the funding that they receive. And so we were thrilled to see that get through the Senate. We actually passed that um, late in the day Thursday night, so that meant we had less than 24 hours to get it through this to the House. Um, and with the work of House leadership and a, and a difficult conversation on the House floor, we were able to actually see it pass with just a few additional votes than what we needed. Um, but we were happy to see the House take up this priority that, to be honest with you, Farm Bureau has been talking about, but a lot of people have been talking about for sure. years. The idea that we needed more funds for our roads and bridges, um, that our state's infrastructure needs it. You know, when you look at our major interstates, they're carrying more cars and they're older than they were ever expected to last. Um, and so we see some major projects that are going to have to be done. And hopefully by doing this, which really just brings us up to the spending level of the last time we increased our gas tax. And when um, was that? 1996, That's I believe. I so it's been several years. Um, and so this just brings us up to the spending level of that time um, to bring us back. And hopefully this will allow us to get some of those major projects done. Um, Missouri Farm Bureau will continue to be a part of this conversation because, like I said, this will go to a vote of the people. Um, we think this has a great chance of passing because it does a lot of good things. You know, when we talk about transportation funding, one of the major issues that comes out is, well, who gets what? Are the cities getting enough? Are the rural areas getting enough? Well, the good thing about this is it doesn't get into that argument. Good. It increases the size of the pie and says everybody will get more because there's going to be more money available. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're really looking forward to this conversation over the summer. You know, I have said it a bunch. Nobody wants to pay more for anything. I don't and you don't, right. but we all know um, that taking care of our roads and bridges is one of the number one things the state has to do, mm -hmm. and this will allow them to continue to do it. So we're, we're happy to see that get done um, and, and thankful for the leadership in the House and the Senate that uh, moved it and helped to get it done. Well, there's certainly, you know, a lot of things that went on in the state capitol, but if we just go by checking our three priority boxes, I think you probably did a pretty good job this session. So any final, you know, interesting tidbits you want to share? I, I appreciate all the work you've been doing over in the state capitol. I know our members do as well. Yeah, you you know, it was a good year. Um, a lot of a lot of people had a good year. When you look at last year, there was a record low number of bills passed, mm -hmm. just if you look at the session as a whole. And this year, we saw a major reversal in that. And I just have to tip my hat to House and Senate leadership on both sides of the aisle. You know, this year, we saw a lot of issues that the legislature didn't expect to have to deal with. Absolutely. And I've said it more than once, but I'll say it again. There's a lot of ways this session could have gone, but leadership really led us down a road where the legislature was able to get the work done that the people expect them to do while still addressing the issues that they had to address. Mm -hmm. Now, we'll see how that turns out over the next few months, and that's not for Farm Bureau to decide, but the legislature will work through that. But we still thank them for allowing the legislature to do the work for the state of Missouri, and we'll move forward. So we really appreciate it. Um, let, can't thank leadership enough for all their work. Um, you know, these these people are, are, are citizen legislators, mm -hmm. and they come here and spend months away from their family and really work for the state of Missouri. 
they don't get enough thanks. They get more blame than they really deserve a lot of times. Yes. Um, but we need to take a minute um, for our members out there that are listening. Please take a minute and thank your legislator um, because it's been a tough session for everyone. Everyone's glad that it's behind us, but we really did have a productive session for agriculture in all of rural Missouri. Absolutely. Well, BJ, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us this week. Hopefully you can go home and get some rest after last week's marathon of sessions. So. Oh, it won't be long. Time to get back to work. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll plan to talk to you next week. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. As a reminder, you can visit our website, www.mofb.org, to learn more about our Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award and our Excellence in Agriculture Award. Those applications are available on our website. You can download those and fill them out and turn them back into the home office by the end of business on July 31st. If you have any questions, please contact Eric Homer, Director of Field Services. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.